Today on Locked On Canadians, are we as a fan base a little bit too high strung? We're going to discuss this as the uh, developments in Pierre-Luc Dubois' dossier take place and is that discourse over? Plus there's some fallout from the Matthew Kachuk trade to the Florida Panthers and it, it is said that Jonathan Huberdeau is not happy. Is Montreal his next destination? We're going to talk about all of this and more on today's Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 663 of Locked On Canadians. We'd like to thank Bet Online for today's episode. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co host, Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Scott, it is warm right now. Are Montreal Canadiens fans right now wound a little too tightly? I thought you were about to ask if uh, Montreal Canadiens fans are okay. And I was like, Laura, we know the answer to this. And the answer is no. We love you all dearly. And I we mean, are we're also Canadiens fans too. Yes. Like across the board, I think everyone is very desperate for anything at this <laughs> point. Um, ask poor Mike Matheson, who. Uh, Despite having a very cute reveal in the locker room at the Bell Center and everything, oh man, was that not a, uh, it, it did exactly what it meant to. The entire hockey world went, the Habs are about to do something, and it was, hi, I'm Mike Matheson, I'm taking over the Twitter account at 8pm on a Friday, in which there's been no news. Uh, but that is not fully what we are talking about, because uh, earlier this week, uh, what was it, Thursday? Or was it earlier on Friday? I can't truly remember it's, okay so it's all blending together what happened let's just talk real quick like the montreal canadians tweeted if you've missed this they've tweeted guess who uh and then davini seki in french uh obviously and everybody was like they're gonna announce a signing they're gonna announce nick suzuki as a new captain they're gonna announce a trade it was 8 p.m on like i think it was saturday at this point it was like and everybody was in a frenzy and it turned out it was just mike matheson taking over the twitter and uh, also bringing his extremely adorable young child to the Canadians' locker room. Um, and that was really, really cute. But Montreal Canadiens fans so starved with, for, for big news, particularly since a big trade went on the night before. Uh, I think we're wound up a little too tightly. And this kind of became evident in the fact that I believe it was on Friday, the Canadians announced new numbers for their players. Uh, and uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky, Again, the first time I pronounce it, it is incorrect. I We're going to release practicing. a shirt that has you trying to pronounce Slavkovsky with a dash through it and then his actual name underneath it and like sell it as Like four or five of them, yeah. like essentially. <laughs> Lockdown Slav- Canadians. Cough, sla- um, if anyone wants and- to design this shirt for us, please let us know. <laughs> Exactly. All the ways that I've pronounced it. Slef, Slefskovsky, uh, Slavkovsky, Yuri, uh, all of those things. Anyway, Yuri, if you're out there, I'm so sorry. Like, I, 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 I'm trying my best and I will get it. Uh, but essentially, 
he he's always gone with the number 20 i believe that is his number uh and he wanted it and chris weidman was previously wearing this number and he gave it to him and so this was a big deal except montreal canadians fans are a little bit upset about the number that chris weidman ended up selecting I have two thoughts. One, uh, in an interview, Slavkovsky said he wanted to wear 18, which the older portion of the Habs fan base took personally in that, ah, he, they, there's no sense of honor. It's like the 18's retired. It's like the kid's been here for like three seconds, guys. Like He also did say it wasn't available. Yeah. he. I, if he didn't know why, okay, guess what? The Habs have retired like 75 numbers. It's fine. Like I forget which numbers are retired sometimes, and I've been covering this team nonstop for the last decade. So Weidman went switches from number 20 to number six, which a lot of people think that it's too soon after Shea Weber was traded to Vegas for Evgeny Dodonov, who is now wearing number 63. Uh, Kirby Doc is wearing number 77, just to kind of get those out of the way here. And my first thought with this is number six didn't get worn at all last year. And the person who wore number six before Shea Weber was Douglas Murray. So, like, it's it's fine. Um, I get why some people think it might be too soon. When Scott Gomez was traded to Montreal, originally he wanted to wear 11, and it was just after Saku Koivu had left. He wore 91 for, I think, two seasons and then switched to 11. Um, Brendan Gallagher came in and wore 73, and then he switched to 11, and, you know, no one made a fuss about that, this or that, or anything. If we say it a lot, it's not that deep. I get why some people think it might be too soon given everything going on, but if you want to start that fresh chapter in here, you, you got to rip that bandaid off and you just kind of start over again here. I admire a lot of what Shea Weber did, and I think he was a fine captain of the Montreal Canadiens, but after the Stanley Cup playoffs ended in 2021, that chapter closed. Like it was Weber's not playing again. It's not like he's going to be suiting up for Vegas wearing number six opposite Chris Weidman on a given night. I get why some people think it's too soon, but it's really not. Saku Koivu is one of the long, I think is the longest tenured captain in Canadian's history or tied for longest tenured captain in Canadian's history. That makes a little bit of a difference. Weber, you know, was here for a couple of seasons as captain and then didn't play at all last year. I don't think there's any malicious intent and I, it's just not that deep. It's really, really not that deep. That's, that's really all I've got for that. I'm a little bit confused because a lot of people thought, you know, when he was traded, it, it, it's so weird the way this whole thing shook out. You know, at the end of the season, there was so much criticism of him. And then after he was traded, it was like, well, he wasn't all that dedicated and he didn't really care about being here anyway. He wasn't such a dedicated captain. It's good riddance and things like that. And I just I don't understand where we're supposed to stand on on Shea Weber, you know, like. On the one hand, we're supposed to revere him enough to not let Chris Weidman take his number a whole entire season later when he's on another team. It's not like he's like still retired in Montreal and or still on LTIR in Montreal and we're taking his number away. So I'm I'm not sure. I don't get it. You know, like sometimes I, I see fans saying that he was a terrible captain or he just didn't care enough. And then I see people being like he was too dedicated and, and we're being too hard on him when he was playing injured. So I'm not really sure what the canon is supposed to be on Shea Weber. To my mind, it was not a situation that he chose, that he actually rose up to the situation. He was given the captaincy for a reason. His teammates respected him enough for that. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that Chris Weidman needs to have any loyalty to Shea Weber. That's not what I think at all. I personally, I appreciate what he did in Montreal, but to me, he's not going to mean the same 
as a Saku Koivu. Even Brian Gionta is not going to mean the same as a Saku Koivu. Max Pacioretty, as much as I love him, and I really do, is not going to mean the same as a Saku Koivu, right? Like, these are different people. We're in a different era. I understand people who care about Shea Weber who think that this is too soon for them, and I, I absolutely validate that, but I just, I don't understand why we're supposed to get upset at every little thing. I mean, you look at our comments sometimes and people just getting angry with us for, for having opinions, and I think it's not just Montreal that's seeing this. Like, you know, we talk to, to a bunch of journalists and podcast hosts and things like that. Like, all the fan bases are really, really high strung. And I just want to remind everybody to take a brief, deep breath. Like, what we do is we watch a bunch of people push around a little rubber thingy on knife shoes, right? That's what we do. And this is, you know, it's not that deep. I think we should appreciate the players that we love. I think we shouldn't allow these players to get away with with you know we're talking about the stuff that's going on in the news we shouldn't let them get away with anything we should hold them to high standards but i think it's fine that chris weidman took somebody else's number in order to give a future superstar of this team at least in our minds at least in the prediction at least where his draft position was the opportunity to take the number that he desires i think that it's not that deep but in the meantime another thing that i don't know how deep it is is the <laughs> one-year qualifi qualifying offer contract that he signed with the winnipeg jets how does this affect the montreal canadians fan base's desire to get him or lack thereof that's all coming up in just one moment but first betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from the li live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today bet online where the game starts All right, so another thing that took place after our last episode was Pierre-Luc Dubois signed his one-year, six million qualifying offer uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. This had a lot of Canadians fans being like, all right, you know, this is, you know, we're going to get him afterwards when he's a UFA, after two years or whatever. This signifies his desire to just get this over with. That doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to play in Winnipeg. And then a lot of people are like, this is the dossier that's closed. That doesn't mean he's coming here. You know, I think something that's really important to note is that just because a player has indicated a desire to play for Montreal, one, does not make him a fit for Montreal, but two, does not make this a sure thing from happening. Now, Kent Hughes did say that he was looking for top-end caliber large centermen. Like, that's not a secret, right? And yes, in an ideal world, when you have Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and Pierre-Luc Dubois as your center depth, that's amazing. But I think that things have to align in such a way that it's beneficial for both teams. And if the player's lucky, at the RFA stage, he gets some control over what he does. He's not a UFA. He hasn't played the amount of games that it takes or the number of years that it takes for you to become a UFA, right? UFAs have their destiny in their own hands. He does not. And you can 
like Matthew Kachuk, kind of forced the team's hand, and we're going to talk about that later. But in my mind, the Pierre-Luc Dubois signing a qualifying offer doesn't make, it doesn't change anything for the Montreal Canadiens at this point. They've got centermen. They're in a rebuild. They need to have a couple more years of high draft picks and good drafts and good development before they can be a team to contend with. So for me, I'm not too worried about this. And I think the longer this has dragged on, we were talking a little bit about how how high strung we are. The longer this has dragged on, the more polarizing it has become. There's been a group of people saying that he's what this team needs and it would be great to have him in Montreal. And I feel like the longer it's taken, the more people have turned on him and said, we don't need that kind of attitude in Montreal. He's forced to trade or, or been pouty at both teams he's been on. We don't really know what's going on in that locker room, and we don't know exactly what he said. We just know what the reporting has been, which has been that he did believe that he was going to be traded to Montreal, and his agent has said that Montreal is a place that he would like to play. It could be Montreal could have been any one of a number of teams that he would like to play for. And we don't know what's going on in Winnipeg, but we can't, you know, people are saying he's the cancer in the locker room. We don't know that. Like, we can't determine that. We are not there. So, it does seem pretty clear that he wants to be elsewhere, but the fact that he signed the qualifying offer to me means that either he's decided that he's going to make the most of the situation and make himself so attractive to other teams that they'll give up assets for him, or he's going to continue a sort of semi-holdout in which he has signed the contract, but he's not going to play very well. Kind of like he did in Columbus, but we also have to remember that the the coach in Columbus was John Tortorella at the time, and we don't really know what that dynamic was like. So, I sorry, go on, Scott. I've just been rambling a lot. I just I feel like in this case, like this, the the story's not closed. It's just postponed for now. It, it's very strange in that him signing a deal is it's one year, six million dollars, and he did this in Columbus, and we see how that went. And I am would not be shocked if things turn around, and it's just like okay, he's still getting traded here on this one-year deal and Montreal, you know, he's your problem at the end of all this. But at the same time, it's a saga that seems very destined to end in one way that he's going to leave Winnipeg regardless at some point here. And if he doesn't come to Montreal this year, that's fine because the Canadians are trying to be bad this season still. I don't think they're going to be as bad as either Philadelphia or Chicago or whatnot. They're still not going to be great, and they want to see what they've got in Kirby Doc. And if Kirby Doc ends up being good, you have a younger version of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Big body, offensive instincts, and all these other things. The question for me is, where does it leave Christian Dvorak in all of this? Because he seems to be just this kind of guy floating in the ether that he's here, but we don't know for how much longer. And this whole saga is, I get people why, he's like, he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be here. The stories that Laura and I have heard, you know, offhand about not only, you know, Winnipeg's locker room right now, which has spilled into the news that Blake Wheeler's, you know, a bully and, you know, Mark Shifley and all these other guys. Something's not right in Winnipeg, and it's an underrated kind of storyline going into the season that the Jets are kind of a mess and are on that precipice of where the Canadians were under Michelle Terry and before Claude Julian got here, and that they're potentially teetering towards being very bad if their all-world goalie stops being all-world all of the time. And if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, why would you want to stay there? Yes, you have family who work with the Moose, the AHL affiliate, but that only goes so far when you're around a team that that's losing. 
with attitudes in the locker room you don't like in, and I say this in the nicest way, we have friends in Winnipeg and everything. Winnipeg in winter cannot be a pleasant experience across the board. And it's cold, it's dark, there's not an airport, and you have to share a locker room with unpleasant people. So like, it, it, like you said, the story's far from over. We don't know where the end point of this story is. But I feel like the Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal thing is kind of at least on hold right now. It's a background download right now, and it'll eventually pick up steam at some point. The minute he's like slightly grumpy on the bench, all these stories are going to come back again, like they always do. So I guess we'll wait and see. I absolutely agree with you, Scott. And I just wanted to shout out a couple of listeners, uh, Jack L and uh, Patrick L, who both talked about Christian Dvorak staying and, and the desire to keep him on for a little while longer, at least. And they cited his like excellence at taking faceoffs, not just the fact that he's a useful player, which we already knew, uh, particularly under Martin Saint-Louis, but he talked about, you know, the Canadians have been criticized for their face-offs, particularly Nick Suzuki. So they need somebody that's good on that front. And especially for now, uh, before they move on to the next, the future plans of this team, it's not too, it's not, it's not a bad idea to keep him on for a couple of, uh, for at least a season, maybe a couple of months, maybe until the deadline. We'll see. Uh, when I said at least a season, I meant at least the start of the season. In the meantime, I am going to turn our attention to Jonathan Huberdeau because obviously over the weekend a giant blockbuster trade took place. Matthew Kachuk was traded to Florida Panthers. We've got a lot of opinions on that and we're going to talk about how this affects the Canadians in just one moment. All right, folks, let's talk about that big trade. There's so many layers to it, but I really want to focus on the Montreal Canadiens aspect of it, uh, particularly because obviously the Canadiens were never a contender for Matthew Kachuk. We talked about it in our last episode. He wanted to go to either St. Louis or uh, a, a, a team in a city and a state that had no sales tax. And not only that, he cashed in big. He has a, uh, a contract that is $1 million per year and all the rest of it is in bonuses. And apparently that makes it almost escrow. Uh, it minimizes his escrow hit. I'm not 100% sure on this. I need to confirm, but that's what, that's what I have been seeing. Uh, also, it makes him buyout proof. <laughs> and Matthew Kachuk is now a Florida Panther and people criticize Florida for sending the flames what looks like a lot, right? Like Mackenzie Weger, um, uh, Jonathan Huberdo, both on expiring contracts this year. And then... Um, a conditional first round pick in 2020. They don't have a first round pick next year, the year after, or the year after that. And right. I, I look at this trade because people at work ask me about this too. And they're like, what do you think? I'm like, I, I don't know because Matthew Kachuk is an incredible player. He's a 115 point player. Like he plays with an edge. He scores high skill goals. He mixes it up. He's a rare, he's a unicorn as people have described him. And one, the Atlantic is going to be just a terror next year with both Kachuks there. Dear God, is it going to be a mess? But Florida then gave up their second leading forward in terms of time on ice and Jonathan Huberto and their second leading defender in terms of time on ice, Mackenzie Weger, and a first round pick. They are banking on winning immediately with this trade. If they don't, it's bad. Like it, it's going to blow up in their face because they don't have a first round pick until 2026. You can't have that in a modern league here because you have to draft and develop people. Look at Vegas and how they've struggled. Yeah, they're good, but there's no prospects in that system there at all right now. And 
apparently, the biggest thing I think out of all of this is that Jonathan Huberto isn't super happy with the way things went down. Apparently, they were supposed to sit down and hash out terms towards an extension in Florida. Very clearly, he was happy to be in Florida. He was he was a first overall pick in, what was that, 2011, I think? And then nothing happened. Next thing you know, he got traded. Uh, and I think that's that's not a good sign of your Calgary. It's a great return, and they can sell Huberto and Uyghur on staying. They make out like bandits on this because Uyghur's an underrated defenseman. I think Jonathan Huberto's fantastic. But it, it's a weird trade that it could go very badly for both sides involved by the end of everything. I don't think it's going to. It could be win-win or lose-lose. Who knows? All I know is it's when was the last time we saw a, a trade like truly actually like this big in terms of scale. And I know it, someone's going to remind me immediately, but I'm going to forget anyways. I mean, it is a pretty big deal. And I just want to really apologize to our listeners for the audio issues that we are having currently. I know there's a little bit of a background noise uh, on my end, and I apologize for that. Uh, I want to just like sort of talk about Jonathan Huberdeau for a second because we made jokes about this, right? Like we talked about Florida going, spending so far close to their cap that they weren't going to be able to keep him. They weren't going to be able to re-sign him. They were going to be forced to either trade him at the deadline or allow him to walk in free agency and Montreal could swoop in on that. I think that Jonathan Huberdeau is a phenomenal player. He's not a centerpiece, but he had an amazing year this year. I think that he's one of those players that is good enough where you say like, that's a guy with a lot of talent on a stacked team. And Montreal is in the process of trying to get stacked. I don't think that Montreal should be in a hurry to even inquire about Huberdo. And again, we're hearing that he's not happy about the way things went down. He was under the assumption that Florida was going to open contract talks. And instead of opening the contract talks, he found himself traded, right? I mean, that's very well how it could have happened. And I, you know, I, I feel like it's one of those examples where like in most of our everyday lives, like employers have no loyalty to you. Right. And that's pretty much what happened in this case. It's just that when it's a, it's a hockey player, it just seems a little bit different. Like it, it looks a little bit jarring. I think that the Montreal Canadians should forget all about Pierre Duc Dubois and should sit around and wait on Jonathan Huberdeau because what, what's likely to happen is if the flames start strong and in November, they still look like a team in their division that could make the playoffs. They're not going to do anything. But if they flounder, Jonathan Huberdeau is going to be available at the deadline for the highest bidder. We can let I, that happen. <laughs> What's I, going on? No, I'm. nothing's going on. I just won. You know how we? I was trying to remember when Jonathan Huberdeau was drafted? I didn't realize that he will be 30 going into next year's free agency. And if you're the Canadians, I think that is a a blinking light where hey they want to cash in now this is going to be a big one last score kind of contract and if i'm kent hughes i don't know if this team's in a place to afford that because caulfield's got to get paid if you're gonna be if kirby doc comes good you're gonna have to pay kirby doc you're gonna have to pay there's a lot of guys who need to get paid and a lot of players who are going to be leaving I'm not opposed to getting Jonathan Huberto for the Montreal Canadiens. He's a winger. They have a lot of those, which means before they can even think about acquiring him, they got to shed some of this here and make it work. It's he's a phenomenal player. Like I'm looking at his numbers here, you know, 
just under a point per game. And then he slowly, slowly started to pick it up as the Panthers got good. An incredibly talented player, 115 points. Now, my question is, though, coming off a career year and likely going to have another big year in Calgary this year, are they paying for previous performances, not future performances? The Carey Price conundrum here. And I think Huberto's fantastic. This is not a shot at him. I don't know if he fits the timeline for what the Canadians want to do unless he's coming in on like his last little bit of a contract and goes, I want to win a cup here in Montreal. And then you try and make it work. I, I'm very worried about what he's going to ask for given his recent performances. And that's what he's going to get banked off for pay. So I think if you, the thing is you changed my mind on all of this, because I think that he does belong on a team that's ready to contend and on a stacked team. Montreal's a few years away from that. I just didn't realize that he is 30 years old or coming up to 30 years old. Like, I think this is something that um, is a huge red flag, as you mentioned. And the Canadians should really be trying to acquire pieces that are young and that are that are ready to be part of the team's future. However, let's say three or four years from now, the Canadians are gearing up for a playoff run. I'm not saying Stanley Cup run. I'm saying a playoff run, a decent playoff run. And it's not working out on whatever team he's at. You maybe you you do have the opportunity to trade for him if there's salary retention in the process. But I think these are all pipe dreams. I just want to remind everybody, you know, like we are in the off season, like the Canadians are in the midst of a massive amount of shifts. And I understand everybody being upset about certain things or being stressed out about certain things. But at the end of the day, we're watching a hockey team. It's not that deep. You don't need to be yelling at each other. You don't need to be yelling. You know, you don't need to be uh, allowing this team to cause you stress. Have fun with sports. This is going to be a fun. I mean, it's been a fun offseason so far, and it's going to continue to be a fun offseason for us. And we have something very, very special planned for you for our next episode. So please make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can also find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. You'll find Scott at Scott Matla. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Remember, there is a zero tolerance policy for being mean to anybody in our comments, including ourselves. Um, And uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow.